Welcome to Lead Today with me, Kalina. Let's talk leadership. Hello and welcome to the second episode of this riveting series. I it sounds like I'm joking, but I actually really enjoy this. And I hope you are too. We are picking up at chapter 11 of the book of Proverbs. And I'm most excited about this because, well, I like a lot of the chapters, but this chapter makes it plain some of the further ways to identify wisdom, what brings wisdom, what wisdom is, what types of behavior do show up on that right and wrong side of the fence, like we talked about. Again, not because you're going to be judged by some almighty being, but because the results will speak for themselves in the way that we live and the, the way we feel, the, the relationships we have, etc. So chapter 11, uh, really interesting visual if you're watching. I don't know if you can see it actually. <laughs> sort of a guy jumping off of a, a big rock into this ocean really pretty again going off of the book of proverbs done by alabaster company there are a couple here that i'd really like to point out in chapter 11 we talked about this before already when it comes to honesty and being a morally good person i think this chapter just does a good job of explaining what exactly that is so the lord detests the use of dishonest scales but he delights in accurate weights Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Honesty guides good people. Riches won't help on the day of judgment, but right living can save you from death. The godly are directed by honesty. One of this one here, I really like. The godliness of good people rescues them. The ambition of treacherous people traps them. This one really struck me because I, I often have thought of ambition as a good thing. And of course, it's not saying that ambition is bad in and of itself, but of treacherous people, ambition will trap them. And so if you're being ambitious under misguided motivations, whether that's an external gain solely, you're being greedy or dishonest in the way that you're going after your goals, or if you're pursuing something that you don't even really want because you should maybe, or anything that's superficial and dishonest or inauthentic, I think we fall into this trap of it sort of, well, ambition trapping us as it says here. So that one sort of really stood, stood out to me and I find it to be meaningful because we are driven right now in such a superficial expedient society where things need to be perfect and done right away and gosh being patient is tough so I think this points to not just not being patient or ambivalent about things but just that well if we use wisdom in our ambitions we'll be better off more to say that you know if we're if we're good we'll be rescued from trouble and things will go well and I you know I remember actually my grandmother as I was growing up and she would just say be a good girl be good you know and I some ways resented that didn't understand it fully what does that mean just she would say also be nice you know these kind of very broad things like okay be good 
good when, where, like how, what does it mean? What does it mean to be good? Does it mean a different thing for different people at different times? What does be good mean? And I think that in some way or another, this book is over and over saying be good and just giving us examples of how, which is quite useful actually. So upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper, but the talk of the wicked tears it apart. It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. So I mean, we all know a bunch about that, right? Whether we have secrets that people have divulged when we thought we were telling them in confidence or how valuable it is to have a friend that does respect that sort of code I think that that definitely points to a sense of wisdom if we're able to withhold from gossip and also not engage in it if someone else is engaging in it. So that's a big one. I really like this one too, especially now given the turmoil in our global environment. Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There's safety in having many advisors. There's danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. It's safer not to guarantee another person's debt. So we heard about that in a previous chapter. If you do put down debt for a friend, you know, get that or security for someone else's debt, you know, get that wiped away as soon as possible. We really hear that essentially don't, don't go into debt yourself and also don't take on other people's debts. It's a source of trouble. And this idea that without wise leadership, a nation falls there's safety in having many advisors. I repeat that one because I think that's useful, not just, of course, if you're running a nation, but I think if you're running a business or if, I mean, in your life, it's always useful to have a second, third opinion and really get a holistic and broad sense of a range of opinions so that the decisions you're making come from an educated place. So I really like that. A gracious woman gains respect, but ruthless men gain only wealth. So this idea, again, of chasing after really wisdom and then respect from your for a neighbor and community and yourself and respecting God really in these wishes, wealth in and of itself is sort of shallow in a sense. Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Interesting, right? So again, be kind. If you're ruthless, it's going to destroy you. Why would it destroy us? You know, some people are considered ruthless business people and they're very successful. Why should we care about being ruthless? Why, I mean, if, if being ruthless gets us a result, then uh, who cares? And I think it is true. Your cruelty will destroy you. So it's interesting because here it also says, evil people get rich for the moment, but the reward of the godly will last. Godly people find life, evil people find death. And again, it seems very black and white or extreme. And I think what's interesting is just to say, your cruelty will destroy you. Why will it destroy you? Why doesn't it destroy the people that you're cruel to? And that's sort of this idea of a conscience, I think. A conscience or this moral code really being entrenched in us because we do feel guilty. And it's the same thing if we're angry at someone else, right? Or if we resent someone else. The idea is that that actually hurts you more than the person you're angry with or the person that you're resenting because it's something that you're holding on to within yourself that's sort of stewing in you and it's a negative thing whether it's continuously in your thoughts that's the same I think that's why all of these kind of point to death or darkness or some level of pain and suffering because really if we're cruel to others the 
yes, the people that were cruel to suffer, and it's obviously not good for them. But I, I really do think that this points to the, the self-interest in the situation, which is if we're cruel, other people will be hurt, but the person hurt most is us and will suffer in that cruelty. So I, I think that's a really interesting piece that gets repeated in this chapter here, chapter 11, again and again. We point now to generosity um, and discretion. So a beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Here, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. We hear this a lot when it comes to charitable giving, I think. A lot of people quote that one here. Um, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I think we hear this a lot, but, um, well, it's interesting that we're talking about money in the Bible. Uh, clearly, that energy of money, the way that we utilize money and the value that we drive in the world says something about our character, says something about our wisdom. And it's saying that, hey, you know, um, share it, feed yourself, but also share it. And here, people curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless the one who sells in time of need. If you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. Oh, I like that one too. What are you searching for? Right? So if you're searching, I like that one a lot. If you search for Eve for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. What are you focused on? So interesting because in my background in coaching, that's exactly what we talk about it again, again, like to a T where's your point of focus. What is it that you want? What are you moving toward? Totally solution focused coaching. And we've got this encapsulated in sort of one sentence here. Of course, how do you do that? <laughs> might need more detail, but I think it's really interesting that so many nuggets of wisdom are encapsulated in such a concise format here. Trust in your money and down you go, but the godly flourish like leaves in spring. So who are you supposed to trust? Of course, God and God's will and, and really the way and again, that's not to say that you just sit there and wait for money to drop out of the sky, right? We heard earlier that, of course, we need to harvest and plant our crops and then harvest them in the appropriate time and do the work. So I think that's important. Those who bring trouble on their families inherit the wind. The fool will be a servant to the wise. The seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. A wise person wins friends. If the righteous are rewarded here on earth, what will happen to wicked sinners? So a couple of interesting things here. It talks about those who bring trouble on their families inherit the wind. So they really get the backlash. And that speaks to sort of this idea of generational, not necessarily trauma, but sort of reputations, I suppose. And different cultures actually have a lot to say about that point alone, just that um, depends who you talk to, because some people would talk about in Christianity how um, you don't inherit the sins of your father, right? You come in on a blank slate. Um, but I think it's interesting not to say that you're getting that from your ancestors, but that if, if you do something disgraceful toward your family, then you're, you're the one that's going to be in pain, similar to, again, the cruelty argument that we talked about. I, I think it's just interesting. Again, anytime, and I've seen this again and again, like with, with people, with myself, like anytime that, um, you know, if I'm hurt and I think, okay, I'm hurt and so I'm going to pull away or I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to let them know that I'm hurt and kind of hold on to it and I'm just angry and I'm going to kind of stew around in it for a little while. 
every time it hurts me more than the other person. I mean, who knows what the other person is even doing? And I think this just reiterates that in terms of family. And again, if you know you plant a bunch of good deeds, that becomes a tree of life. Um, and also, of course, if you're wise, you'll gain lots of friends. And that's because you're being generous, as we learned on that page. So really powerful chapter 11 here and heading into 12 to learn. You must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. The Lord approves of those who are good, but he condemns those who plan wickedness. Wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots. A worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. The plans of the godly are just. The advice of the wicked is treacherous. So as you see also the format, which I find interesting, it just, again, continues to compare and contrast. Of course, some of these things could be, people could say they're unfair, you know, if they're talking about the wife and the husband and whatever. But again, I think it's not whatever. I think it's, again, this comparison, just showing different scenarios. Okay, how you deal with money, how you deal with your marriage. I mean, these are two already. Money and marriage are some of the, <laughs> two of the biggest. And, and then talks also about work, right? And how you work and how um, how you deal with your, your efforts and what you you reap what you sow sort of thing and how you work during the harvest season and make sure to plant proper seeds in your life. I mean, this whole kind of idea. So we've got work, we've got advice on relationships and we've got advice on money. I mean, those three are some of the biggest categories that people are looking and seeking answers in and struggling with. So, I mean, lots of guiding nuggets right here that can apply to literally any situation, right? Because it's saying you must love discipline. Okay, well, do you have that in your life? How's that going? Do you resent it? Definitely sometimes discipline, that word can rub me the wrong way. How can I, how can I come to terms with or start loving discipline? What does it mean to me? How, do, how can I embody that? What is discipline in my life? You know, that's a good thing. A question, I think, is sort of looking at how you apply it to your life. Um, and here it's stupid to hate correction. I mean, definitely, right? And we see this trend in the corporate world, I think, all about feedback, people wanting feedback, being open to feedback. It's all about open communication, feedback to be a better performer, to be a better leader, to get better. We need open lines of communication and feedback. And I mean, we're told right here in very blunt words, it's stupid to hate correction. <laughs> so really get your ego out of the way. You know, it's okay. It's actually good if you're getting feedback because then you can improve if no one tells you you're sort of stuck in this loop, which is even worse. Um, so lots to say there, I think, just in the first two sentences, let alone the rest of this. Um, but more about if you're wicked, you're really just having a treacherous life and things don't go well for you to the point of death, I suppose, is how they talk about it here. Some of these things I think we need to also consider for example, the godly care for their animals, but the wicked are always cruel. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. Thieves are jealous of each other's loot, but the godly are well-rooted and bear their own fruit. The wicked are trapped by their own words, but the godly escape such trouble. So these are all, again, and I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it's so interesting because, again, there are more scenarios, more scenarios. So if you find yourself being trapped by your own words or so things people keep misconstruing what you're saying, or, um, you know, you're getting in trouble because of how you're speaking to people and they're not agreeing with you. You're a sensible person wins admiration, but a warped mind is despised. 
you know, and not to say that people's opinions are always correct. And certainly things can alter people's perceptions of you that are not accurate. And so it's not just about public opinion, but it's like, I think if you're, if you're going in this right direction or this moral wise direction, you're going to see that people do admire things about you, that they reach out for advice potentially, um, you know, that you are bearing your own fruit. And if you're going in the wrong direction, you're, you're going to be trapped by your own words. Um, you're going to maybe feel that you're being cruel to others. You might be tempted to go the seductive route as we talked about in the last episode or the easy route, things that are, um, you know, attractive and, superficial but don't have meaning again we continue to talk about the godly are well rooted um, whereas thieves are jealous so you know jealousy envy these kind of base emotions looking to what other people have not respecting your neighbor this outward sort of focus versus I think a lot of these are very inward for the wise person very much so introspective about what I'm doing what are my efforts what's my discipline what are my relationships how am I treating my wife how am I treating my money how am I treating my neighbor how am I treating animals? So very interesting how it's really, this is all about you, me. It's all about the reader, um, which is so fascinating because I think it puts some, some power into our hands about what it means to be wise for ourselves. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Wise words bring many benefits and hard work brings rewards. It's like, I say, I read that, right? And it's like, well, of course, wise words bring many benefits. Well, of course, hard work brings rewards what <laughs> you know it sounds like such common sense but again I think that's what's so valuable about this book is that we all see that as common sense because religious texts like this one and others um, but they they really point to such deeply entrenched notions in our society that we take as a given that sentence right there right um, and and here too I mean fools think their own ways right but the wise listen to others always like it's so and I see that right it's again when we get into this kind of guided behavior or directed behavior where we feel like we need to control a situation or really push through whenever I feel like that where okay I've got to do the research I've got to do everything instead of trusting maybe experts or getting multiple advisors asking for help things just go downhill when I don't listen and gather opinions and gather advice from different advisors and then make a conscious decision based off of that wisdom rather than trying to self-guide and then of course um this book would point to the the highest wisdom or the highest guide being of course listening to to god via your what what messages that he sends you and following that and releasing and surrendering to that god's will um so, of course, that takes it a step further. Another one really good around moderating emotions. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. An honest witness tells the truth. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Deceit fills hearts that are plotting evil. Joy fills hearts that are planning peace. Ooh, I like that one because... Deceit fills hearts that are plotting evil. Joy fills hearts that are planning peace. Again, it's not even about the outward result. It's about if you're planning peace, if you're 
wanting to be peaceful. You're seeking peace. You are planting seeds of peace, of building a peaceful life, of being peaceful toward others. Again, you're staying calm and insulted. You're bringing peacefulness and patience to your life. Joy is within you. So interesting. It has nothing to do with how other people are treating you. You can even be insulted. It's, and I think that's the thesis of all of this, actually, is those benefits, a lot of them are bringing peace to your life. And I don't think that can be undervalued or, or overstated the, the significance of having peace in one's life, having things that seem basic, but health, true health and loving relationships and security, safety, like peace is, sounds like, yeah, peace, but really how many of us have that on a daily basis? How many people are staying up at night nervous and anxious, wondering about the state of life, the state of things versus being at peace? I think this is, this is quite a big one to me at least that if we plan peace if we look for if we look for peace that's what we're going to be building and that's so valuable at least to me you might be hearing this mic picks up a lot i'm not sure if you hear it but i'm right beside a window there's really nice rain hitting the window today it's a nice nice day to be talking about this so um here we go Again, talking about, you know, don't lie. The Lord delights in those who tell the truth. The wise don't make a show of their knowledge, but fools broadcast their foolishness. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. That one's also really big, I think, in any kind of corporate advice, really. It's like, and you see it in a corporate environment, not to say that you want to work up in a corporate environment, but even if it's in an, an entrepreneurial environment or somebody that, um, even if you've inherited this large sum of money and you think, oh, don't need to do anything. Well, actually, <laughs> we see it a lot in people that um, inherit money or if they win the lottery, they often lose a lot of it or sports players, right? Or movie stars that make a lot of money, but they can't keep their wealth. I think it's really interesting. I mean, working hard and hard is where we need to look, right? Because when we think work hard, sometimes for me, it's like, okay, so I have to burn myself out and like, run myself into the ground when it comes to work or else I'm going to be behind. I think that's where I think there's a, maybe a bit of a misnomer where of course, if we work ourselves to being sick, then we're no use to anyone, but this idea of ambition and right ambition, true ambition to help and bring value to people. Um, I think, I think it makes a huge difference if we keep that the forefront when it comes to how we work and, the godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. So if you're wondering about how your friends are and how they treat you right here, we're also back to relationships, getting some advice there. Um, if you know your friends are leading you away from the things you want and are trying to aim toward your goals, your dreams, maybe not the best friends. If they're leading you astray, if it's, hey, have another drink, it's, hey, just stay out a little bit longer and repeatedly and you leave feeling farther away from your goals. Maybe they don't have any goals that they're pursuing or they don't encourage yours or they make you feel bad for your goals. Right here, it's like not the kind of friend you want to have in your corner. Lazy people don't even cook the game they catch, but the diligent make use of everything they find. So resourcefulness, such a good quality, I think. 
Um, and really it's just pointing toward that personal characteristic again. So wisdom is being resourceful. So another brilliant one, that's end of chapter 12. We've got chapter 13 here talking about accepting a parent's discipline. So again, they're pointing to this idea of getting feedback, not refusing to listen to correction. Wise words will win you a good meal, but treacherous people have an appetite for violence. So very honestly, or very, um, I guess, openly or, or, or how could I say? I mean, it's very apparent that we don't want violence, but we're being told here today. Um, again, back to hard work, control your tongue. So the way that you speak, don't lie again. And here's an interesting one when we talk about keeping up with the Joneses. So some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. The rich can pay a ransom for their lives, but the poor won't even get threatened. So just even this line seven right here, the some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. Really interesting, right? Because many rich really rich people are not doing the flashy stuff and um, they're not wearing flashy brands or having to showcase it. And it definitely points to going down, I think a path that's unwise. doesn't mean they can't earn riches, but we've seen in other phrases, I think here, where not the right way to go about things if we're being, if we're flaunting and being flashy and there's something there that needs to be considered and most people that do really well are humble and they approach money in that way and aren't things can be beautiful things can be well well made and even expensive but they're not they're not flashy that's if that's clear enough i think um wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears wealth from hard work grows over time Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. I like that one. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. So again, right? And people who despise advice are asking for trouble. Those who respect the command will succeed. So again and again and again, it's allow in feedback so that you can improve. I think it's big. Of course, who are you accepting it from? So again, that discernment, I think, is really big in all of these chapters. And that means so much to me to say, okay, are your friends bringing you down? Who are, who are these advisors? Um, have advisors, but have good advisors. Trouble chases sinners while blessings reward the righteous. I think we see that. We see that with people that stuff's always going wrong or they're always in trouble. And not to say that it's, they're bad. It's that they're taking they're taking misaligned or unaligned action. I don't think, I don't personally think anyone's a bad person. If you are sinning, the, to me, the idea is that you're going off track. It's just that you're going off track. And so if you're finding that trouble is following you, kind of Murphy's law, like, you know, parking ticket, sprained ankle, breakup, money, da, da, da. It's like, you're going down this wrong path. I think it's a chance to step back, look toward wisdom, definitely ask for God's, God's answer on it and, and potentially look toward putting your faith in his will. And then, well, and seeing what the right next action is. What is the right thing? What's the right next step? What, what is it? Show me, show me what's next. Show me what to do. I'm, I'm here. I'm here for it, right? I'm here to listen. So I think that's big. Um, and actually that points to this one. Wise people don't 
Wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. So, you know, just this, this idea of, I think, having that, that space in the pause. And we definitely hear about that too. You know, and as we get older, I think that's a whole premise, I think, in life where we talk about, okay, as we get older, we, we go through experiences and then we gather this wisdom. And that's where I think this book is so fascinating because you can really jump in and have the wisdom right in front of you that you don't need to gain from really painful experiences sometimes. Here's a good one too. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. So this idea that you're prepping for further generations and we see that so so strongly in families with wealth and people that often, so interestingly enough, so families where let's say the one person, let's say the grandfather's the one that built the wealth. It's interesting to see if that wealth is retained over five, six, seven generations. And if so, how that's done, right? Because often the person that generates all the wealth, it's interesting to see what happens in the next generations. And if they do walk the wise path with those funds, um, I find that to be interesting. Um, here's another one that's, uh, there's every single line here, something. A poor person's farm may produce much food, but injustice sweeps it all away. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Another core principle coming right in from chapter 13 here, where it's like, and I think actually this brings me to, and it's so interesting why I see parallels in popular culture right now with different individuals that are extremely influential. And I find that most of their core tenants, whatever people, very uh, influential podcasters or, or even philosophers of our current time or public figures of our current time, I find that most of the ideas that seem to be that they're bringing to light, I think they're really just a conduit for this really foundational ancient ancient old wisdom that is encapsulated within this the bible and other religious texts i i strongly believe that i i mean right here right those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children those who love their children care enough to discipline them this is i've heard this from different parenting experts and different psychologists and they don't say it exactly like this but the idea that discipline in a loving way and appropriate to a child's age group and and developmental level critical letting a kid just get away with anything does not actually foster an individual that has discipline themselves and grows and learns we want people to be able to get along right as this whole book talks about in relationships right we want harmony and peace in, in our relationships and i think parents do that from the get-go when they tell their children what's up. And then the children have the responsibility to, as it says here, a wise child accepts a parent's discipline. So there's, there's a give and take there, right? And so how the wisdom, how the, how the discipline is given obviously will impact how, how the child can receive it and, and vice versa. I mean, if a child's not receiving it, a parent can get that litmus test or that gauge of, hey, maybe, you know, maybe this isn't working so well. And I, and I love, I think that's what I love about this whole book is that if something's not working well in your life, this book has got an answer and even you have the answer within you because this is such deeply known wisdom, like within our core, I think. 
um, when something's not going right to start questioning, okay, what is my role in this? What's my responsibility here? What can I do? Um, continues to talk about wise people being prosperous. Chapter 14, a wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Interesting. So pointing toward, I don't think just a sense of shelter, but really building up that family, that family structure and that safe home. And I think also the, not let's say ambiance, but the, the core tenets of a home historically speaking, have really been dependent on the mother, that mother figure that is guiding the children in the home and, and nurturing the children as they grow in some sense that's different from the father who's often a disciplining figure um, and also nurturing it in a different way. But I, I, it's interesting that it's a woman here. Again, don't be filled with pride. Don't lie. This one is interesting because I think it could be misconstrued. A mocker seeks wisdom and never finds it, but knowledge comes easily to those with understanding. I think that's pointing toward understanding of God. What, again, says this book is based on the fear of God, but this idea that we are just a little blip in the universe and that there's so much more to it. And if we have that at the forefront, that fear of the almighty force and a humbling that results from that fear, then we are able to gather knowledge easily because we have an understanding of how the universe functions, how the world functions, how these patterns of nature and God and us as humans and other people and systems, like how it all kind of flows, um, understanding comes easily. Again, stay away from fools. Um, not, not good about, just more about no deception. You know, interesting, the repetition sometimes, but each line really says things in a little bit of a different way. There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. And here's, here's another one. Laughter can conceal a heavy heart. But when the laughter ends, the grief remains. Really interesting, right? It's true. It's true. And dealing with grief. Let's see if at some point it tells us how to deal with grief. Because this is certainly true. People often use humor to disguise true pain. And we've seen that with comedians that are depressed or commit suicide or individuals maybe in our lives that often seem happy-go-lucky and totally fine and might, might even be the life of the party. And truly deep down, it's actually a lot of pain there. Only simpletons believe everything they're told, the prudent carefully consider their steps. So again, taking care, potentially seeking multi more counsel, right, or advice, but not being gullible, not being naive. The wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. Short-tempered people do foolish things and schemers are hated. So it's interesting, just continues people, the poor are despised even by their neighbors while the rich have many quote unquote friends. That one's a bit interesting, right? What does that mean? Hmm. 
Yeah. It's a sin to belittle one's neighbor. Blessed are those who help the poor. And I mean, we hear that again and again, right? In the tenets of our society and why we have um, social programs or welfare programs, programs to help food banks, charities, all of it. I think it's interesting to see these tenants like this laid out. And then we realize, hey, I mean, our whole society is built and has systems built upon these core tenets, these core principles. Work brings profit, profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. So again, actions matter, which we knew a little bit already. Again, we hear about fearing the Lord, bringing security. A growing population is a king's glory. A prince without subjects has nothing. So another interesting thing pointing toward building families, building cities, building nations. And if we don't nurture that, there's no, the rulers will have no one to rule if there's no population, if people aren't well, if people aren't prospering also, when you think about taxes in a sense, right? No one can pay taxes to the mayor in the town if they're not well or they're not earning. So it's a, it's an interesting system, even taxation, when we think about it, because it's allowing people that this was actually something to do with English colonization, if I have that right, where um, essentially they taxed people on their success, on their crops, on their yields, because they wanted to empower them to actually produce. <laughs> Go figure. Again, another point to controlling our anger, a hot temper shows great foolishness. So if you're a hot head or you can be, or you know your triggers, great inquiry into what are the things that make me into a hot head? What are the things that I freak out about? Not worth it and I'm bringing stress upon the people close to me. Maybe not my ideal, maybe not what I wanna do. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Yeah. Interesting, controversial doctors, you know, I think we're getting there in the medical field, but in terms of emotions, actually having a role, I think there's a very clear understanding that stress takes a toll on people's bodies, but the wide range of emotions, there's some work by David Hawkins, actually, it's very interesting about different emotions and their frequency and how they relate in the body with that frequency. And essentially the lower frequencies are negative emotions and that's one way to, to look at it, I think, but it's just interesting to kind of relate, hey, you'll be healthy if you've got a peaceful heart. Again, back to peace. And wisdom seems to, seems to bring about peace and a peaceful life and a secure life. So really interesting how it's kind of laying out how we can develop a peaceful life by not getting enraged, by not insulting others, by not lying, cheating, stealing, going after seductive mistresses or seductive ideas and things, working hard, being humble, fearing God Almighty in terms of a bigger power broader than us that humbles us. Wisdom is enshrined in an understanding heart. Godliness makes the nation great, but sin is a disgrace to any people. This one too, godliness makes the nation great. Yeah, so the qualities of, of God and this godliness being represented in the people is what makes a nation really strong and great. That's interesting, I think. Here we are, chapter 15. We're halfway at this point, so we'll go to about 20. And then the next 
last part of the series will be 21 to 31, where we'll wrap up. So 15, again, about anger. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. We know this, right? And we learned this over time. I almost wish you could download this into a, a toddler, you know, because it can be easier to be angry. It can be easier to amp up somebody if they're saying mean things to you or hurtful things. It's like, yeah, I'm going to strike back. And this is saying, you know, hold your tongue, hold your tongue. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the good, the evil and the good. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So again, I mean, don't lie. <laughs> again and again and again, don't lie. Only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. Again, take feedback. A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. So there's this, interestingly, there's quite a, an appreciation for the heart and the emotions of the heart. A peaceful heart, a joyful heart. Um, heart bringing up the spirit into even a happy face. Find that interesting. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. And again, we can cultivate that, I think, is what it's telling us here. Alongside better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have tre great treasure and inner turmoil. And inner turmoil here, at least, seems to be linked to no fear of the Lord, which somehow would mean that we're not following this right path or this good path in life, that it brings us peace and wisdom and this sort of secure, happy life. So we can amass a lot of things, but if we're not being wholesome about it or wise about it, it seems to be that inner turmoil is going to prevail. Greed brings grief to the whole family, but those who hate bribes will live. Don't bribe people. Again, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health. And you see that in people with a cheerful countenance. Doesn't mean they're like over the top positive, but it's somebody that kind of shows up and says, hey, I'm here, I'm excited to be here. I'm ready to, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm happy to be a part of this, whatever that is. That uplifting spirit does uplift other people, I think. I mean, both sides are contagious in a sense, in a positive or negative. Um, yeah. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he protects the property of widows. Interesting there. The Lord delights in pure words. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. <laughs> Interesting. So right away, valuing actually meat. <laughs> saying meat, you know, would be more valuable than vegetables. But saying, um, if you're with someone you love, a bowl of vegetables is better than steak with someone you hate. So really... I mean, we can think of this, right? If you've ever been on a, a date or in a place where having a meal with someone where you really don't feel respected or valued, I like that one. Bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. Another sort of simple truth that is easy to forget. I mean, I think we get into these relationships that don't fulfill in so many ways. And that's not to say that every meal with, you know, your husband or your partner or your friend is going to be 10 of 10 amazing maybe it can be um with the right understanding and, and wisdom but um i think sharing food and this is so universally true across cultures sharing food and sharing a meal with our loved ones is like the center of every holiday almost right there's a certain meal for easter and christmas and ramadan and thanksgiving 
I've so much is centered around food and sharing and food and being around a table and sharing with those that we love, whatever it is that we have. And I, we talk about generosity in the past as well. Um, again, being lazy is not great. A hot tempered person starts fight. A cool tempered person stops them. Oh, are you starting or stopping the fights? That's a good one. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. And again, I think we know this, that even we have this remorse, right? When we say evil things, crude, cursing, negative, hurtful things. I think we often have the remorse that hurts us longer than the other person. And, and maybe the other person, we can't discern the other person's hurt, but man, I mean, it hurts us, even though maybe the initial intent is to strike and hurt the other person. Again, listening to constructive criticism is wise. And we really hear plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. So again, getting that input. Yeah. Sensible children bring joy to their father. Foolish children despise their mother. A lazy person's way is blocked with briars, but the path of the upright is an open highway. Again, so, okay, some of us have lazy days or moments or times when we're tired, but I think what it's saying is if you're on the upright path, if you're on the up and up, if you're the doing the right thing, the world seems to open up to you. It's like clear, clear road, all the green lights, you know, it's this idea of the universe is giving you these signs, like go for it, keep going, go, go, go. Like, yes, yes, yes. Things open up. Have you ever had that? I mean, I've totally had that. And I think that's what's so cool about this is that it's not, you do something bad and you're bad. It's that the world opens up to you and things open up and things feel expansive and things work out for us when we, are on the, the upright path. It's so cool. Like you don't have to, you don't have to make it up or like figure it out completely. You, you know that feeling of things working out for you. Things are working out for you. And if you focus on that, they're going to continue working out for you. You continue moving forward and you continue being good and just, right, fair, honest, all these kind of core societal values, help your neighbor, be a good friend, be a good daughter, father, son, mother, you know, show up honestly, show up in a humble way, you know, and things will open up. And if you're getting off track, you'll get that discipline, something will kind of snap you back. And then you'll, you'll be back to that joyful heart and the the positive spirit. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. So if you get those disciplinary red lights and you listen when you're stopped at that red light, then you can course correct, which fear of the Lord teaches wisdom, humility precedes honor. So again, I guess back to that humble idea. 16, I love this one. We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. Again, I mean, gosh, how many plans I've had that I thought would work out in a certain way at a certain time in the way I wanted. And they just don't, which is fine and great, actually. And <laughs> more exciting than if I planned it out and better often than if I planned it out myself. So I love the way chapter 16 starts out here. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. The Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. 
Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. We keep hearing this. The Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. Justice, honesty, path of the virtuous leads away from evil. Whoever follows that path is safe. And it can seem like, okay, so now what? Like I have to just, (laughs) we all, I think, have this tendency toward the darkness in one way or another. And I don't think it's saying that that we don't or that we shut it off or that somehow we should be able to shut it off. I think it's a continuous path and a continuous movement toward it's if you're on the path the virtuous path the upright path it's a path it's not just an you don't just get there that's the whole interesting thing about this well there's so many interesting things but it's a path it's a it's a continued walk in righteousness in an upright fashion so it's not you do a good thing and you're good you do a bad thing and you're bad you keep taking steps it's interesting I, I was at this spa in Switzerland, actually, in Ticino, the Italian-speaking part in the south, and there were these, it was a Turkish bath, and they had these little steps, and I remember just feeling so lost at the time, and like I wasn't doing the right thing, I didn't know what the right thing was, I just felt lost in my steps, and I remember there were these stones that were steps in this Turkish bath, and it was cold water, hot water, cold, hot, and I sat there, and I said, okay, God, you know, show me the way, like, what is up, I don't know where to turn, I don't know what to do, I'm just feeling so so lost please help and what kept repeating in my head was one step at a time one step at a time and as I stepped through this Turkish bath it was one step at a time and I kind of just thought okay I don't have to have it all figured out and I got that sense of guidance and that sense of protection the sense of certainty not certainty in what was going to go down and how my life was going to turn out but one step at a time one step at a time And, and that also keeps us present I think which is so nice because I certainly can have a tendency to either look to the future or look at the past and, you know, either ruminate in past hurt and past victories, or we're constantly anxious or looking toward planning for the future, then we miss what's in front of us. We all know that kind of premise or principle, and I think this allows us to be more present, actually. So... (coughs) Excuse me. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Again, about relationships. This one's interesting. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It's gained by living a godly life. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. So, again. Ooh, and I love this one. We may throw the dice but the Lord determines how they fall. Again, thy will be done, right? Like, thy will be done. Thy will, like it's, you can put your actions out there, but the end result is just a combination of factors. Here we go. Better a dry crust eaten in peace than the house filled with feasting and conflict. So again, steak, vegetables with people we love over steak with people we hate, I think. Again, no gossip, don't insult people. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. Eloquent words are not fitting for a fool, even less are lies fitting for a ruler. 
Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates closed friends. I love that one because we're pointing toward forgiveness. Tough one. Forgiveness can be so tough, holding on to things for years and years, and they accumulate, especially in close relationships. How can we do that one? How can we forgive people's faults? Tough, but so necessary. And I think that's where prayer, meditation, asking for that forgiveness, asking to forgive. I mean, I haven't figured this one out. I'll be real. If you repay good with evil, evil will never leave your house. Starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate, so stop before a dispute breaks out. It is senseless to pay to educate a fool since he has no heart for learning. Again, not to say that people are fools. A fool is a mindset and I think a way of being, and that's if they don't have a heart for learning. Again, back to the heart, your motivations, your... And here, the crooked heart will not prosper. A cheerful heart is good medicine, so, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. So are you bringing cheerful, hopefulness, a, a happy spirit? Continue to seek wisdom. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Yeah, I mean, it talks a lot about talking too much leads to saying things that we might otherwise regret. So being really careful with our words seems to be emphasized. When friendly people care only about themselves, they lash out at common sense. We're in chapter 18 now, by the way. Um, rumor, rumors, not a good idea. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Interesting. The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Seems to be that maybe they need to focus in on the Lord as it seems. Here, written. Humility precedes honor. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. The human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? That's really interesting when we think about all of the stuff in spiritual healing, alternative healing, uh, really points to this exact thing that your body can heal with the right mind. We've heard about many miracle stories, right? About how people spontaneously or miraculously heal from things or beat the odds in different diagnoses because their spirit stayed strong. They believed they could heal. Not always, but I've got a nod to it here. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Growth mindset right there. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. So you're dealing with real friends. Here we go, chapter 18, we're rounding up. Better to be poor and honest than dishonest and a fool. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. So definitely if you're blaming anything outside of yourself, probably a good chance to take a look inward. Wealth makes many friends, quote unquote. Poverty drives them all away. So again, it's interesting. To acquire wisdom is to love yourself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. Oh, again, love yourself, right? Who didn't, who hasn't been saying that lately? Who hasn't been focused on 
self-love or starting with yourself, this whole premise, I mean, nothing new, literally in one of the oldest books ever. <laughs> this book is just like, it's so phenomenal how this book, just every line, I can't even, <laughs> even if we read you every line, we'd have to go through every line because I, I am learning, even though I've read this, I read it again. And every time it's just, there's something more to it. And I think that's so, so cool. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise you will ruin their lives. Hot-tempered people must pay the penalty. If you rescue them once, you'll have to do it again. So not only that, but you need, you need to let people know they're hot-tempered, that that's not okay. Loyalty makes a person attractive. Again, we heard this before about rolling the dice, but you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. So... I will be done. I mean, you know, we can come in with a plan. We can come with some right actions and then we'll be, the, the outcomes will make themselves clear. There is, a, there is always our part of the work and that seems to be the, the Lord, the universe, the external is part of the work, which is interesting. It's not all us. Yeah. Again, about listening to your father and mother. And being a good witness. Interesting how there's sort of this legal thing running through, theme running through here. A corrupt witness makes a mockery of justice. The mouth of the wicked gulps down evil. So a theme here about justice for sure. And here we go. Chapter 20. Interesting. We've got some substance. Um, alcohol, wisdom here. Wine produces mockers. Alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. Interesting when we talk about altered states of reality, substances, abusing certain things, what they can do to us. Looks like it's not necessarily the upright path. Um, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. So, ooh, we talked about this last time too in the right season, we'll have no food at harvest. So we're not saying all the time. Many will say they're loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Gosh, have I been thinking of this one recently. I think I could do an episode on every one of these sentences and have a whole, I mean, gosh, if you're, if you're needing content, you can just read this book and there's like a topic for every week for the rest of my life. Um, but it's true. No matter what people say, and, and they should use right words, but at the end of the day, this continuously, this book points toward right, right action and being in integrity by taking step by step the right path, being on the path toward righteousness, being on the path, the upright path. And I mean, are your friends reliable? And if not, they're not friends. They're not loyal friends. They can say they are, they can, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing, but you'll see the people that show up when it matters for you. And those are the people to focus on. And sometimes they're unlikely characters in your story that are the reliable ones. Who can say I've cleansed my heart. I'm pure and free from sin. Yes. I mean, if we atone, right, if we ask for forgiveness, I suppose, but that's, I think what I was saying earlier, right, around 
I don't think it's about being perfect here. I, don't, I do not. I think this is about what we are aiming toward. Even children are known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure and whether it is right. So your reputation will precede you. If you love sleep, you will end in poverty. Keep your eyes open and there will be plenty to eat. The buyer haggles over the price saying it's worthless, then brags about getting a bargain. Interesting. We continue here a bit more about money. Get security from someone who guarantees a stranger's debt. Get a deposit if he does it for foreigners. So a bit more about money. Wise words are more valuable than much gold and many rubies. Stolen bread tastes sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. So if you steal something, you're not going to enjoy the fruits of your labor, if you will, or the fruits of your stolen labor. Again, don't counsel. Oh, sorry, don't gossip. Get good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Probably good. A good lawyer, depending if we're talking modern times or, well, anyhow, things can happen at any time, apparently. If you insult your father or mother, your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. An inheritance obtained too early in life is not a blessing in the end. Ooh, we alluded to this one earlier, too, about inheriting money, right? And how that could be problematic down the road. So there we go. Don't say I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Ooh, so again, right? Releasing that control, putting it up to God, releasing the need for us to get even. Interesting. The Lord attests double standards. He's not pleased by dishonest scales. Fairness, honesty and fairness again. The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? Don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. Hmm. Interesting again. It's sort of an interesting, you know, the Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a nod to that anxious rumination, trying to plot everything out, control things, or figure everything out. And I don't think it means don't be curious, because we heard earlier about consistently learning and being open to learning. But I think there's something here around control, for sure, and always trying to find a meaning behind things, perhaps or our, how our efforts led to something instead of allowing it to have come to us in a more natural fashion. Again, a nod to the gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. And of course, we've talked about how splendor brings about wisdom and that relationship. Yeah. And here we are at 21. So I think we can we can leave it here with, I mean, all of these are really good. Yeah, I, th I think core tenants here, honesty is super important in all of this, moderating our anger, being patient, not gossiping, being careful with our words, really big, faithfulness and love, a loving heart, uh, cheerful heart our spirit can heal our bodies if we keep our spirits up we can heal some really really powerful insights from this book today and i want to thank you for coming along the ride of this series i hope you've enjoyed it like i said i think i'll have to 
go into further detail of, of all of this because I find it fascinating. And as I've said, I, I hope you do too. I think there's so much to learn and be reminded about these kind of core tenets of what it means to be on the right path, a good person. So if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you reviewed or subscribed to the show. It really helps on our visibility and helping other people find this show as well. And I wish you a great rest of your day. I'll see you again next time.